Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hello, you're listening to the Clumsy Theosis podcast. Here we talk about anything and everything Catholic in order for you to learn how to apply it to your life and to grow in holiness. My name is Rochelle Lucero. I'm the host and the creator of Clumsy Theosis, and that might make you think that I'm the one who gets to call all the shots and choose all of the weekly topics. But au contraire, I do get feedback and suggestions from you, and I add them to a list of possible topics along with things that I would like to talk about. But ultimately, I wait for the Lord to put a topic on my heart. And truth be told, I thought that the topic for today's episode was too basic and a little too fundamental in order for it to be interesting or motivational to you until I sat with it for a whole day, repeatedly asking the Lord, how does this help the interior life? How does this help the interior life? And then the Holy Spirit inspiration struck, and now I'm excited. And of course, the Lord has proven once again that he knows better than I do. Today in the church, we have a term that we apply to a collection of teachings that is both oral and written. Now, this collection of teachings goes back to the beginning, to Christ, and we call this the deposit of faith. But the deposit of faith is not new. St. Paul actually talks about the deposit of faith in his second letter to the church of Thessalonica. Are you ready for it? So in chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. He didn't use the term deposit of faith, but he's talking about it nonetheless. He's referring to teachings that were given by word of mouth or by letter. Now, word of mouth, that's oral teaching, also known as oral tradition, and letter, which is also known as sacred scripture. Hence, we are reading in the sacred scriptures a letter that he wrote to the church of Thessalonica. Okay, so sacred scripture and tradition are the deposit of faith. But the really cool thing is that he's also telling us the purpose of the deposit of faith in your life. And it's probably richer than you think. No pun intended. I got lucky with that one. (laughs) Richer deposit. All right, moving on. First, we know what sacred scripture is. But what about tradition? It can seem kind of vague sometimes. Sometimes even like it's made up. Like who decides what becomes a tradition in the church? When does it become a tradition? Did something have to occur on a regular basis for some arbitrary number of years before the church was like, hey, yeah, let's make that a tradition. Now, these type of questions, these make sense if you're talking about a man-made tradition, but we're not. When we as Catholics say tradition, and that's tradition with a capital T, not a lowercase t, that's important, we are referring to the living transmission of the gospel message. The gospel message that has been handed down and preserved and conserved and kept pure and kept safe since the apostolic age through apostolic succession, which is to say that tradition is what the apostles heard Jesus teach them, what they saw him do, and what the Holy Spirit enlightened them to understand after Jesus' ascension. And then every apostle then handed down all of that to their successor who handed it down to their successor and so on and so on. Now that explanation sounds kind of like I'm explaining what the New Testament is in the Bible. But before the New Testament books became the New Testament books, they were shared orally, which means that they were first tradition. You see that? Our faith holds that the New Testament and the Old Testament of sacred scripture are just that. They're sacred. De Verabum is a document that was written at the Second Vatican Council, and in De Verabum, we read this about scripture. 
It says, sacred scripture is the speech of God put down in writing under the breath of the Holy Spirit. So obviously, that's a big deal. But our faith is not solely reliant on the sacred scriptures. We hold the scriptures equal to tradition because we saw that before scripture was scripture, it was tradition, right? And Jesus never said, go out and put down into writing everything that I taught you. He said, go out and preach it, go out and live it, go out and do it. In fact, St. John said, there are many other things that Jesus did that if we were to write them all down, the world could not contain all of the books in which they would be written in. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, and if you are curious about that, that is in chapter 21, verse 25. But back to this, quote, living transmission of the message of the gospel through oral and written means, end quote. Why do we say that it's living? It's because it's the gospel. And the gospel is alive because it's the good news. And the good news is the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that so cool? Like for me, pulling that apart kind of gave me that same rush that I get when I'm watching a movie that's based off of a book series that I really like and I see an Easter egg and I'm just like, oh, I caught that. Did anyone else catch that? That's how I feel right now. And I'm hoping that you're, you're with me in this excitement. But I want to look at the person of Jesus Christ and unpack that just a little bit. Humor me for a second. And I know it might seem a little basic, but because it's basic, you know, we can tend to gloss over that type of a thing and not really appreciate what it really is. So when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus Christ is the fullness of divine revelation. And I talked about divine revelation for the past two weeks, but kind of in like a passing sort of way. But we should really step back and look at how amazing divine revelation is. Divine revelation is God's communication of himself to us, right? He doesn't have to do that. He's God, but he wanted to communicate himself to us, right? So it's through his divine revelation that he makes known the mysteries of his divine plan. Now, he most definitely did not have to do that either. He doesn't have to tell us his plans. And so because he doesn't have to do that and he does it anyways, we can realize that it is a gift. It's a gift of self-communication. And the biggest gift of self-communication that we have received from God is his son, Jesus Christ, the word of God. And the word of God is the person of Jesus Christ in both sacred scripture and in tradition, which is also known as the deposit of faith. Talk about mind-blowing. The reason that God reveals himself to us which he doesn't have to do. He does it because of relationship. And that's where you come in. In 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to be paraphrasing again. John says, everything that I tell you, I have seen and heard with my own eyes and my own ears in my experience and in my relationship with Jesus. So the long and short of it is that John is passing on to us a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so are all of the other apostles. But back to St. Paul and how he tells us about the purpose of the deposit of faith in your life and in mine. Now, right before he told the Thessalonians to hold fast in their traditions that they were taught, he says, from the beginning, God chose you to be saved, and he called you through our gospel so that you can obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So basically, he's saying, in order to obtain the glory of our Lord, which you have been called to, right? Like, that's what God plans for you. In order to obtain that, you have to hold fast to those traditions. That's the purpose of the deposit of faith, so that you may have a relationship with Christ and obtain his glory. 
Now, I do also want to point out something here. When Paul is talking about holding fast to the tradition, he's talking about it in a way where the tradition is something sacred and precious. It's been entrusted to them. He's not saying like, here's the rule book. Don't lose it. You're going to have a pop quiz. La la la. That's not it. It's this is something very precious and very sacred. It's going to help you to have a relationship with Christ and obtain your glory with him. Okay. Now, since the beginning, the magisterium, which is a fancy way to refer to the church's hierarchy, since the beginning, the magisterium has been guarding, interpreting, and unpacking the word of God, which is both written and oral, and they've been doing this under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And if you doubt me that the church is responsible for this, we just watch St. Paul do just that in his letter to the Thessalonians, right? When he was saying, this is what you've been taught. Hold fast to that. Let, let me safeguard it. Let me interpret it. Let me explain it, right? Um, and we see this all throughout scripture. We see it, it happening then, and it's still happening today in the church. The deposit of faith is the heritage of our faith. And the most prevalent place that you will find it in action is in the liturgy. There in the liturgy, you will experience both the sacred scriptures and the tradition of our church that has been guarded by the magisterium and handed down. The mass and the divine liturgy have been preserved, conserved, handed down, kept pure, and kept safe. And in the liturgy and in the mass, sacred scripture is at home. It is thanks to the deposit of faith that we have the scriptures and we have the mass and the liturgy still to this day for us to have intimacy with God through the summit and the font of our faith, which is how we refer to the liturgy. If you want to learn a little bit more about how the mass, how the liturgy is the summit and the font of our faith, I do have another episode on that, which I have provided for you down in the show notes, and that is where you would go to read the description of this episode. Also, while you're down there, go ahead and sign up for my weekly email list, because that just means that you'll have every subsequent episode emailed to you when it comes out. All right, until next week, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send me a message. Let me know what's up. I'll see you then. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.